You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May I pray? Let me, let me open with a prayer. Lord, thank you for this group and for our church, um, for, uh, for this day, for your word, living and active, doing its work on us. Um, gather us now as a, as a hen may gather chicks beneath her wings and uh, watch over us. Uh, and give yourself to us. Um, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is a, I love teaching this. Um, it's good to be with each of you, to, to meet some of y'all for the first time, to see some familiar faces again. So it's just really, really great to be here. My name is Gil Cracky, as Fontaine mentioned. Um, uh, been here since 1993, came to the Advent as the youth minister right out of college, and uh, it's been my great privilege uh, to have stayed here ever since. Didn't think it was going to be a career when I, when I came here as a political science major, um, uh, but it has been just a wonderful, incredible place for me personally, and uh, and then to, to to meet my wife and to raise a family. It's been it's been incredible. So and thank you, teacher, y'all for being here. Um, baptism is what we're talking about today. Um, my teaching style. We're not going to say everything there is to say about baptism in 20 minutes, certainly. Um, uh, but if I can say something that might be possibly helpful, which would spur a question, please interrupt, make a comment, ask a question. That's my preferred way of teaching. The room's just tipping over into too big a crowd to make that really kind of a, an effective give and take, but we can still try that if something comes out. Um, so to start with, um, was that helpful, Fontaine? You want to say anything about the church? What would be the best part? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, um, Fontaine Pope. You know, if you need her address, it is one. I'm just kidding. So, um, uh, it would be helpful for me to say anything about the church generally, or that's probably been covered, and we don't really need to do that. So, well, you could. I mean, we talked gospel, and then last yeah. week was how we respond. Good. To Let's just dive into baptism. I'm happy to answer questions about the church. If that would be helpful. Um, one of the old prayers within, the, so the Episcopal Church, um, uh, the Advent is an Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Alabama, um, which is a part of the Episcopal Church in the United States, which itself is part of the Anglican Communion, which is a Protestant body as a part of Christendom. <laughs> so there's our genus, phylum, species, etc., and so forth. Uh, one of the great aspects of the Episcopal Church and the Anglican faith is the prayer book. Um, as has been said many times in many different ways, the way that the Bible has been arranged for worship. As the people of God are gathered by God to worship Him, um, uh, it's a way of organizing our prayers and our worship of God. Almost, you know, pun intended, Almost said worship of him. That's what the name worship means, is to impute or to give worth to something. So if you worship an idol, obviously you're giving worth to something that may not be correct. Um, but to give uh, worth to God, his infinite measure and majesty, to come and worship him is to give him his worth, uh, which is to say ourselves, our souls and bodies, to be living sacrifices. See, even there is... A great prayer from the prayer book taken directly out of Romans, Romans 12. The way the Bible arranges itself for worship. All to say, uh, the prayer book has gone through several iterations. And one of the ones, um, and it's still the normative prayer book um, for the Anglican Communion, uh, which started in England. So the Church of England, it's still the, 
the prayer book. That's the uh, that's the uh, the prayer book that they use to sort of define Anglicanism. Is the sixteen sixty two prayer book, and here's the prayer uh, for the baptism of infants from the sixteen sixty two. So to get used to a little bit of the dusts and thous and wherefores and steadfasts and sort of things like that. But hear this, because it arranges scriptural stories and scriptural ideas within a prayer which can communicate to us baptism, what it is. Um, the two images that the scripture uses uh, when it describes our baptism are our death, because to be plunged beneath water like Noah, uh, uh, like the children crossing the Red Sea, or as Jesus himself was plunged in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, to go under the water and then to come back up is a movement from death to life. And so baptism, very unchristening. Tell me your name again. Your daughter was just christened? Yeah, Eric and Casey. Eric and Casey. So like Kennelly was just christened. Um, That's going to be more of the latter than the former. This is to, to drown to be brought to the end of ourselves and be brought to the beginning of a new life in Christ. And the second image is washing, which is where we get a little bit more of the christening idea. Um, To be Christed, uh, to be washed by Christ is really a better way to put that, Um, uh, with the image of having our sins washed away. And we're going to end, hopefully, if I time my class well, with one of my favorite hymns, one by William Cooper. Uh, There is a fountain filled with blood, which really has this, this... sort of borrowing the baptism imagery of being cleansed from our sins, being washed and sanctified uh, from our sins. Um, uh, but these two, two ideas both are held in this prayer from the, the, the old prayer book. So to pray this prayer and hear it. Almighty and everlasting God, who of thy great mercy didst save Noah and his family in the ark from perishing by water, and also didst safely lead the children of Israel, thy people, through the Red Sea, figuring thereby thy holy baptism, and by thy baptism of thy well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in the river Jordan, did sanctify, or set apart, water to the mystical washing away of sin. We beseech thee, beseech is just an old word for ask, Um, we beseech thee, we ask thee, for thine infinite mercies, that thou wilt mercifully look upon us, wash us, sanctify us with the Holy Ghost, that we, being delivered from thy wrath, may be received into the ark of Christ's church, and being steadfast in faith, joyful through hope, and rooted in charity, may so pass the ways of this troublesome world, that finally we may come to the land of everlasting life, there to reign with thee, world without end, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I just want to kind of get sort of words out there and among us that begin to get in this idea of being um, delivered from death, death by water, um, being placed above the water where death is below, uh, like Noah and the ark. That's the idea of the church of God being on the ark. In fact, that's even why we sometimes call our church the nave. If you hear that word, you hear the word naval in that, it was in like a ship. Um, the idea that the church is the nave or the ark, a naval body, and you can even look at it and imagine just turning it upside down, the way it goes up like this, and then, oh look, there's a boat, and here we all are, the people of God, above the waters of death, you know, given by God, delivered from the wrath of God, um, that's the church. Baptism is the entrance into Christ's church, among, among many other things, no, that's not true, among a few other things that baptism is, 
it's a right of entrance. It's a mark of difference, as, a, as one of the 39 articles calls it, uh, that says this one belongs to another. This one is marked as one of Christ's, and he's placed in the ark, and she's placed in the ark of God's church, of God's people, uh, above the waters of death, and he's okay, and she will not die. She has been marked as Christ's own forever, and that mark will not be erased. Um, so with that, let's read a story of how it's a, a movement um, from salvation, which is given by the Word of God, Another one, the 39 Articles, I mentioned that earlier. If you're bored, this is what I used to do. Um, uh, I shouldn't say that out loud, should I? <laughs> if you're bored in church, um, in the back of the prayer book, in what we call the historical documents, there's a, um, a confession from the Reformation for the Anglican Church. First came the Reformation in, in, uh, in Germany, and then the one in Switzerland. And alongside of that, over in England, is what was happening with us, where it was the middle way between Luther and Calvin, uh, and over there were Cramner and some others, and that's where the 39 Articles came out in the middle of the 16th century. And it very clearly says about Holy Scripture that Holy Scripture contains all things necessary for salvation. Um, and so Scripture is our sal Scripture is the, the instrument, the deliverer through the Word of God, um, where faith cometh by hearing, the saving faith, uh, of our salvation comes by hearing the very Word of God, which is living and active, and it does the work on us. Baptism, and then next week you hear about communion, the two sacraments of the church, are uh, signs which point to that salvation. So all that's to say baptism is not itself salvific, big fancy word to say it doesn't, doesn't give us salvation. So when your daughter is christened, she's, that's not, okay, she wasn't saved, and now she's saved. The saving act comes by the work of God um, through his word. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts is an example of that. So let's turn in Acts 8. I'll find it and help you with the page number. Um, Acts of the Apostles. Um, that's going to be on page 784. Um, there are the four Gospels. Um, the people who wrote the Gospels are known as the Evangelist, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, I'm just kind of talking. We all turn to page 784. Um, Luke, uh, the evangelist who wrote the Gospel of Luke, that was really part one of a two-part book, you might say, part A and part B. Part B is the Acts of the Apostles, what happened after Christ was resurrected. Um, and it opens with uh, the Holy Spirit visiting the church and Christ descending into heaven. And then the apostles, uh, especially the first part, Peter, and the second part, Paul, uh, going out into the world. Um, with this new, new message of the gospel. So here, uh, one of the apostles, uh, Philip, meets a eunuch along the road, a court official, um, a Gentile, not a Jew, uh, uh, from Ethiopia, uh, and, and, and delivers this. The word through Isaiah his, was given saving faith. Um, his eyes were opened, as it were. Um, and then it says, what's to stop us from being baptized? to enter into, in a formal way, uh, the ark, as it were, of God's people, the saving uh, vehicle, the church. That's no, not to say the vehicle um, where God's people travel in the, uh, amidst the turmoil and tribulations of this world. So Acts 8, starting at verse 26. Um, now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, 
rise and go to the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So already reading topography and sort of location, so that's just kind of the scene and the setting. Uh, and he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. She had come to, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So here's a, a court official on his way home to Africa, to Ethiopia, and along the way outside of Jerusalem, he got a, somewhere in Jerusalem, perhaps, he got a copy of the scroll, got a copy of the book of Isaiah, and he's reading it, and he doesn't know what it means. Go over and join this chariot, um, the angel, you know, the, 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 the Lord told Philip. Um, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? <laughs> A really good answer. The eunuch says, uh, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. And now the passage of scripture that was reading was this. So everybody got the idea? He gets in the chariot. It's very close. It's a very intimate moment um, being brought in there. And then, what are they reading from Isaiah? But this, this is, this is Good Friday, coming up in just a couple of weeks. Like a sheep, he, we know him as Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, uh, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Um, are we talking about uh, Isaiah or is he talking about somebody else? Tell me, who is this person? He's right there. He's right there. And Philip steps into that space. Tell me, who is this person? Who is it talking about? And then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Uh, and as they were going along the road, and they came to some water, the eunuch said, See, here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. It's that simple. Uh, Philip, uh, appointed by God to go see uh, this eunuch, this court official, on the road. Philip didn't know. He listened to the word. He heard. He said, Okay. I know not the way, but I'll go. I'll, I'll go. Um, uh, and so he goes down there, finds somebody reading Isaiah. How can I understand? Who's he talking about? Who is this person who was led like a sheep to the slaughter uh, on behalf of others? Um, and then starting with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, Philip would say, who I knew. He was given for our sins and he was crucified and, and, and on the third day, he rose again, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He told him the good news about Jesus. And then along the way, he's like, there's a puddle. There's a stream. There's, it's a desert place. It, it's, not, it's not beautiful. It's not a river. It's just something. And he says, what's to stop me from being baptized? And Philip says, not a thing. Not a thing. And he just steps over, takes some water, signifying from death to life, and then coming over from, uh, from being washed from our sins. So I'll even stop there, and then we've got to go, and I'm going to find a way to land this plane. But what comes up? I mean, just even this, 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 I would say, simple story. It's not a simple story. It's a beautiful story. It's a straightforward story in terms of the narrative about Philip meeting an Ethiopian. Along, um, not along the way. Philip was sent by God to meet an Ethiopian on the road. What, 
What, what comes up? What stirs? Yeah, I'll do five <laughs> seconds. With this coda, I love talking about this. And we can go to lunch and have a long conversation. Um, uh, what's this indeed? That'd be good. Um, in some ways, quite a lot. Um, how, how much of the prayer book is, if I get the question, modeled on sort of what was there before? The Catholic, what we now call Roman Catholic. Before that, it was just the church, the Western church. Quite a bit. The mastery was the turning of some of the prayers. Um, uh, slightly, you would say Thomas Cramner, <coughs> architect of the prayer book, um, was a great redactor. He took a lot of different uh, pieces that were already out there. So he didn't invent something new. He built on what was old, but he turned it uh, to really emphasize justification by grace through faith, this new Protestant religion, as it was sometimes called. He was a gospeler, which I think is a beautiful word. It was meant as a word of derision at the time, but to my ear, it's melodious. Um, uh, and so quite a bit as an example, and then I'll be quiet. Um, he took the seven periods uh, uh, that were present in sort of monastic spirituality. I can't name them all, but we know like Matins um, or uh, uh, Compline and the other ones like, at, you know, four, I think it was like 3 a.m., 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noontime, 3 p.m., sundown, and then before bed. He took all that. He said, well, let's make that a little bit simpler. And he created morning and evening prayer. And then he arranged the first Bible reading plan. A lot of us probably have done that, like through the Bible in a year. And that's what Cramner did. He took that. And that's what we call the daily office, where we borrow in the lectionary, just the order the way we read the Scripture on Sunday mornings. It's a very Bible-saturated tradition, the way we do things. So, great question. We get back to baptism. Uh, quite a bit, but it's by no means the same. He took the bones and he added the, the new word, um, the freeing word of the gospel. But would love to talk to you more about that. Tell me your name one more time. Hansa. Hansa, yeah. Love to follow up with that. Let's turn to Galatians now. I'm going to land this plane. Um, Galatians 3. Um, let me find them. Uh, those two images of... Uh, 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 that's going to be on page 833. Um, another nice way where you're turning. So the Apostle Paul wrote probably about half the New Testament or something. Uh, most of the letters, we have the, uh, the, the four Gospels and the book of Acts, and then come a bunch of letters before the, 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 the final book of Revelation. Uh, Paul most wrote, most wrote most of the letters, or were sometimes called the epistles. Uh, an easy way to remember general, I mean, there it is, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's going to date me a little bit, but I always think General Electric Power Company. There's lots of other sort of mnemonics there, so you can find your way to find through Galatians and all. But right there in, uh, in Galatians 3, uh, we hear this, just two verses, verses 27 and 28. Uh, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Just because it's so short. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Brief thing. Um, as many of you are baptized into Christ, and so we've talked about the two ways of thinking about baptism, as a delivery from death to life or as a cleansing from sin. 
And so you could say that. As many of you, as many of you were delivered from death to life, um, as many of you have been cleansed from your sins, uh, uh, inter- have put on Christ. And now he mixes his metaphors from the water to a clothing. And so to say a few things about that, and then we'll, 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 we'll end with Cal- William Cooper, and then we'll, we'll, we'll end. Um, to be drowned. Um, it's a funny thing to say, uh, but I think vampires. Um, probably listening right now is an old friend, David Gaspin, who's an avid listener on the audio. And last time I taught this class, he said, there's this great vampire movie. You need to watch it, I you know, because it's got this scene. Vampires are undead. Their hearts aren't beating, but they either don't know it or they don't, they're acting like they're alive. So they're moving through the world um, as dead beings, but as if they have life. That's very scriptural in the way the Bible describes our nature. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. We're the undead walking around, as it were. And so you could, be, you could think of baptism by drowning in two ways. Either you go under the water dead, uh, or you go under the water alive, uh, and then you die, and you come back out into a new life. Or you might even perhaps say you go into the water dead, and in God's weird economy, you come out alive. Completely backwards from all of us. I'm sure you've all got a story. I've got about three or four uh, in your life where there was panic, where you were swimming, and somehow something happened where you weren't quite sure. Some of us probably have drownings in our family that are really, really close to us. I want to tread lightly here. But that panic of not being able to have air, of being under the water, um, and what that's like, it's not a pleasant image. Drowning, I mean, baptism, one of the things I want to say, it's, it's, it, it's, it's not cuddly. There's something very stark here when it talks about being baptized into Christ. It's like you will be brought to your end. But friends, that's good news. Because you're already dead in your trespasses and sins. You're walking around as the undead. Dead men walking, dead women walking. Um, going into the water and being raised to life when you come out. And you're actually, for the first time, alive. That's the image that baptism wants to, that's the sign that it's pointing to, which says, and that's what happens when the justifying and saving God meets the sinning human in the location of his scripture, in the location of his word, and does what he wants to do. You who are baptized into Christ were brought from death to life. Um, And then the second, I think of Jacob and Esau. If you know some of the Old Testament stories out there in, um, in, uh, uh, in Genesis, um, Jacob and Esau, the twins that were born uh, to Isaac, um, uh, and they were jostling in their mother's womb. Uh, uh, and, and Esau comes first, but Jacob, part of his name means heel grabber. He's right on his heel. He's actually clutching the heel. He wanted to be first his whole life. Jacob's vying for position with Esau. Uh, Esau's got the father's love. Um, Esau, I mean, uh, Isaac loved Esau, but Rebecca, is it Rebecca? Yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca loves uh, Jacob. Um, they're going through that whole way. And then you remember, if, if you remember, if not, it's great, go read it. Um, uh, at the end of his life, Isaac can't see, 
I used to not understand that. Now I do. I take out my contacts. I can't see at all. It would be like, bring me my son, and then I want to smell him in order to see which one it is. And that's what it says Isaac had to do. It's like, bring me my son. And he immediately takes Esau, his clothing and all that. And he wants to say, which one is this? Is this Esau or is this Jacob? And because of Esau's clothing is how he knows. But Jacob swindled the birthright because he put on Esau's clothing uh, in order for his father to think that he was him. And there it is. Something that ridiculous, uh, that offensive because we read the story of Jacob and Esau, and I ask the same question that Esau does when he comes back to his father, Isaac, and he says, it was just words. I mean, can't you like take back the blessing? Because Isaac blessed Jacob when he was supposed to bless Esau. He said, I bless you. You were the one who was going to receive the blessing. Uh, and so Esau says, if it was mine, just like act like do-over, mulligan, no big deal. I mean, just like, it's your, it's your blessing, Dad. You say what you want. And he says, I can't take it back. I can't take it back. What's done is done. Not quite, but something like that is a little bit like baptism, where it's in there. Uh, and what's done is done. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so for those of us who are baptized as babies... I was, um, as infants, um, or even if you weren't, um, you were baptized in what's called the age of accountability in the Baptist tradition or something else like that, or you've been baptized just a week ago, you're going to continue to sin. Um, and that's not what baptism's intent was, was to, to wash you, so that you and seal you in a way that now you're sin-proof. Sin continues, yea, even amongst the regenerate or the baptized. Uh, and baptism secures you to the prom- is the sign that says you are secure in the promises of God, that He will not leave you and He will not forsake you. God has already said, that's mine. Gil belongs to me. I've placed him in the ark, and he is now above the waters of death. Uh, the world, the flesh, the devil, sin, death, the law, all the enemies of God. He is safe and secure in me. Baptism is that ridiculous like Esau not being able to get the blessing that, 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 that he thought was his and that Isaac wanted to give. But once it was swindled, you take it back. So baptism is that ridiculous. It's, it's the unkind imagery of the undead being plunged beneath water so they come out finally alive. And then it's secondly uh, the ridiculous way, similar to Jacob and Esau, that once you are in, you're in just because God says so. And if God says so, then it's done. Then it's done. So the last thing, just as a way to sort of end, um, on your handout, you find it. William Cooper, just one of my great, one of the great hymn writers in in our tradition. Um, uh, Not not the only reason, but one of the reasons I like, he struggled mightily his whole life with depression and possibly even bipolar as well. Um, So for any of us who are struggling with mental health issues or know somebody who is, which is to say all, um, William Cooper is one of your saints. Um, Worth looking up on Wikipedia or something else. Several attempts at suicide, lonely, sad, and depressed, where a darkness, the noonday demon, would visit him. Uh, His only saving grace was his friend John Newton and his belief in the gospel. John Newton, the man who wrote Amazing Grace, uh, and then uh, William Cooper's um, absolute, absolute felt 
reliance on the gospel, the word which holds me. And he wrote this, um, which has the images of being plunged beneath the flood of Christ's blood. So now it's even more grotesque. Some people really have a revulsion in this song. Uh, but within the blood there is life and also being washed by it. So let's just end here. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save. Then in a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save. God bless you. There's much more to say about baptism, but just wanted to say a couple of things about it. So may the Lord use this uh, time. Let me pray for that. Um, Lord, take these words so feebly offered, and by your gospel, if, uh, if you would see fit, um, let, uh, let it not return to you empty, but by some, some, uh, uh, some part of your economy, let it return a harvest 30, 60, or 100 fold. This we humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.